You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Start this thing off right. Recorded live. God is so very good. We thank and praise God for another opportunity to delve into his word. God has blessed us tremendously, tremendously, tremendously with the gift called life. I don't know if you appreciate it as much as I do, but when you think about being dead, being alive is so much better. When you think about not having life at all, can you imagine not having this thing called life? Thank you, God, with all the ups and the downs, the aches and the pains and everything else that we go through. I thank God for life. And then, more so than that, the cherry on top of the Sunday is to have life in Christ. You you really don't know. You really don't know until you're in Christ to know how much better life is with Christ than it is without Christ. Sometimes folks think they're living without Christ. They really think that they're living. They think that they're on the top of their game. But it's so much better when you have Christ in your life. Let me tell you why. Sometimes things don't work out as, as you want them to or as well as you want them to. They work out, but they don't work out as well as you want them to. But when you're in Christ, you've got this thing called eternal life. And that's what really puts the cherry on top of the Sunday. I'm telling you, when you start thinking about this life being over, that after all that I've gone through, I think it was Shirley Caesar said, I don't want to live and go through hell while I'm living and then die and go to hell. My blessed assurance is, is that I'm going to, whatever I got to go through down here, I'm going to go on to be with God. Yes, I got the aches and the pains. Yes, I got the ups and the downs. Yes, I got to go through some trials and some tribulations. Yes, I got to have some torments in my life. Yes, I got to have some unpleasurable moments. But let me tell you something. When I think about going on to be with the Lord, that's what, again, I say, you know what? I can go through whatever I got to go through because I'm going to go on to be with the Lord. I don't know what helps you to make it through your day, but let me tell you something. That's one of the things that helped me. I tell folks all the time on my job, as long as you don't send me back to UPS, I'm going to be okay. Why? Why do I say that? Because when I was at UPS, let me tell you something. It was some hard work. I really, really, really had to put my back into that work. The position that they had me in, some folks say, you know, they may say that, you know, I was, I'm was, i with UPS and it's not all that hard. The area that I was in, the couple of areas that they put me in, I'm telling you, it was work. And as long as I don't have to go back to UPS, all the, all the other work that I've done, it's nothing compared to that. 
as long as I don't have to go back to UPS. Well, that's the same concept that I use when it comes to this world. Whatever I got to go through, I can go through it. Why? Because I've got this concept, as long as I'm not going to hell and I'm going on to be with the Lord, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this. And I can encourage other folks. You can make it through this. And, and I open that way because we're going to continue to talk about marriage. And when you start getting into a marriage, when you start counseling and coaching, when you start giving a word of wisdom to some folks that are married, even, and I tell folks this all the time, even if you're not married, you've got to be prepared to encourage somebody that is married. If you are married and you don't have as many years as someone else, you still need words of wisdom to give to someone else. Let me tell you something. It's a blessing in being able to give. You're going to find that out. If you keep living and you start giving, you're going to find out it's more, it's a blessing to be able to give. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about marriage. And, and, and marriage, they say, is a give and take. Let me tell you something. When you look at it, you got to look at it as marriage is giving. Marriage is giving. It ain't worrying about taking. You're going, you're going to always get something to take. Don't worry about that part. You worry about your part of giving. When you keep giving and giving and giving, you're going to find out God blesses givers. Let's pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and bless your name. We honor you for being such an awesome God to us. We thank you, O oh God, for having so many on the call tonight. Thank you for them chiming in and listening to the word of God. Thank you, dear Lord, for penetrating the airwaves and allowing us to be able to pick up the phone and just listen to the Bible study in the privacy of our own homes. Lord, we bless your name for this technology, and we pray, O oh God, that you will continue to increase it and that you will continuously, O oh God, allow us to reach the masses in the name of Jesus. Bless those who are on the call to always share this call with someone else. We're praying, O oh God, that it's on their heart and on their mind to share the word of God. Now, dear Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continuously Work in us, that you will use us to your glory, that you will write this word upon the tables of our hearts, that we might not sin against you, that you might be pleased to call us your children. Lord, we pray that no man glories in your presence, but God, that you will get all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you, dear Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Now, bless us real good, we pray. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, I had intended on uh, in the book, Spiritual Warfare Workbook by Mark I. Bubeck. It's called Preparing for Battle, a Spiritual Warfare Workbook by Mark I. Bubeck. We picked it up at the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden's bookstore. And we are now on page 204. Powerful, powerful book. We use it as a backdrop to our study. And some folks that are with us every week, they say, well, Pastor, why do you waste the time of saying that every week? Well, again, you got to realize we got new people on the line every week, sometimes uh, every other week. You never know when it's going to be a new person on the line, and they need to know where we get this material from, Preparing for Battle, a Spiritual Warfare Workbook. Is by Mark I. Bubeck. We are, we are on page 204, and this particular area is dealing with 
marriage and in marriage and in life. You say, you know what, Pastor, I can tune you out. I'm going to put you on in the back, and I'm really not even going to pay attention, pay that much of, uh, attention to you today and even last week because you're talking about marriage. And I'm not married. Check this out. You will find out that the principles that we talk about in marriage, you're going to be able to apply still the same principle, the foundational principles in life in general. Not only in marriage, but you're going to find out that these principles are applicable in relationships, not just husband and wife, but in friends, in brother and sister relationships. Family members, cousins, uncles and aunts, that the same principles apply. And when you apply them, let me tell you something. Some folks believe that because a particular prayer was prayed, that's why they received their blessing. Or this, or it appears that God has opened a window of heaven and poured you out a blessing because of this prayer or because of a particular act. You know, right after I sowed this seed, then I got X, Y, Z. They don't realize many times our blessings are because the principles that God has set forth in his word, you activate them in your life, and the, the principles that are activated in your life release blessings in your life. And one of them we're going to talk about in detail uh, tonight, and that's where we're going to pick back up. We had jumped all the way at the bottom of page 206, review and conclusion, but when I read back over the portion that I was going to skip, I said, you know what, we got to go over it. At the bottom of 204, it says, husbands and wives who truly love the Lord and truly love each other must be especially forgiving, write it down, please write it down, forgiving towards each other. Let me tell you, this principle right here, we're going to beat this thing. We're going to beat it and beat it and beat it. Forgiving is so very important. And then not just forgiving in general, which I like to call an umbrella statement, where you just cover everything and just say, you know what, I forgive everybody that's done anything wrong to me. And if I've done anything wrong to anybody, I pray that they would forgive me. Umbrella statement. No, some of the stuff we know and we can get it right with the person. We can go back to them and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I'm talking, mean it from the bottom of your heart. Forgive me. No, no, no. I'm not talking about just an umbrella statement. When you mean it, let me tell you something. It releases blessings in your life. You think it was because of that seed. I gave $20. I normally only give $2, $3. Sometimes I give $5. This time I gave $20 to this organization. And when I sold that seed of $20, let me tell you something. It appeared to me that the floodgates was open. All of a sudden I started getting all these blessings and not realize. See, sometimes we don't understand how God does what God does. Not realize on that same week, that same day that you sowed that seed, you also asked for forgiveness for something you had been harboring for a long time. And in relationships, it's so very important that you walk 
in a clear conscious and a clear heart and mind and spirit that you are clear from any wrongdoing that you've done to other folks. You've got to get that record. Let me tell you something. It, it's, like, it's like trying to use a laser and the, the I'm going to call it the tunnel for the lack of a better word, uh, the tunnel that the laser is coming through. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm trying to think of a better word. But the, the, the barrel, thank you, Holy Ghost, the barrel that the laser, it's just like a gun barrel, the barrel that the laser is coming through has to be clear and clean for that laser to shoot through it and to have its, watch me, optimum force. It cannot be tainted. It cannot be dirty. It cannot be hindered by anything. It's got to be clear. When we do things the way God set it up to be done, let me tell you something. He works through us in an awesome, awesome way, blows your mind. See, some folk take credit for uh, doing things of God. They they take credit for the singing. They take credit for the preaching. They'll take credit for the effectiveness of a particular ministry. And let me tell you something. All of those folks are fooled. The, and, and in Proverbs, I, I like to read Proverbs. There's di- different seasons of my life, and God puts me on that Proverb devotional. And right now I'm in that season where I'm doing a Proverbs devotional. And that means that there's 31 Proverbs, and the month has 31 days at the, the, the top. The maximum number of days in the month would be 31. So on during this season, I will take one proverb a day. Today being the 21st, I will read Proverbs 21. I'll meditate on it. I'll take Selah moments with the Proverbs, and I'll read. And sometimes it will take me quite a few minutes where you could read through the entire proverb in three minutes if you were just flowing through it, just reading it at a, a, at a normal pace. It may take sometimes it's a shorter proverb. It's only a minute and a half. But my proverb, sometimes it will take me 15 and 20 minutes because I'm reading it and then I'm taking the Selah moment where I'm meditating and asking God, what are you saying? Even though I've read that proverb over and over and over again, I'm reading this particular one, and I'm meditating, and I'm spending time with God. What are you saying to me with this particular proverb during this season of my life to encourage me, to build me up? Watch this. To give me ammunition to fight against the enemy that's fighting against me, that's fighting against my marriage, that's fighting against my children, that's fighting against the body of Christ in which you have allowed me to be a leader. What are you saying to me? You'll be amazed at how God works things out in your devotional time. That's, that's my plug for devotional time. I hope you heard me. You've got to spend time with God daily to recharge your battery. So during this season, there is a time of studying these Proverbs, and it is foolish for you to believe that you can. there's principles within the Word of God that gives you that strength during 
your battle. It's always a fight, and I thank God all the time for, again, giving us a topic of spiritual warfare for our Bible study during this season because, again, you've got to always fight. Now, and, and, and then particularly when you're fighting, you want to be effective. And when you're effective, you're reading the word of God, and, and the, the Bible says that you've got to be forgiving. You want to have your optimum force. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Your optimum force. You're wasting time. You're pr- listen, your prayers are not effective when you don't have your optimum force. You've seen the picture before where, where, where the, the, the person says that you're hitting the ceiling. Your prayers are not getting higher than the ceiling. Your prayers have got to reach heaven, and if you're going to be effective in them. See, some folk go to church, they know they're not effective. They, that's why they ask folk, other folks to pray for them, because they realize, guess what? I, I haven't had a f- success in nothing I'm praying for. I'm always asking people. This is some folks' testimony. I always ask people. They don't say it, but they know it. You're not effective in your prayer. Something is hindering it. And let me tell you something. This is one of the areas. We've talked about it before. We're going to talk about it tonight. It's called unforgiveness. If you're not releasing folk and letting folks release you, 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 listen, it will hinder your effectiveness in the body. It's prayer meeting time. When prayer meeting time, he says you come touching and agreeing. You can touch and agree and not be effective. Why? Because you've got unforgiveness in your heart and God's not going to bless your mess. Forgiveness, watch what it says. Forgiveness in every marriage and all other relationships is a critical factor for success. It's called forgiveness. It's critical. It can be detrimental to your effectiveness in your relationships with other people. We Listen, we start looking around for other things instead of the principles that God set forth in his word for us to follow so we could be effective. Let's look at the word. Let's look at the word. The word is so very powerful. I say it all the time with the folks at Mount Eden. I tell them all the time, the power of my message is when I read scriptures. That's the power. Some folks think it's something else when you you get loud. Some folks love to hear a hoop. Some folks love to hear folks shout. Some folks love to hear them sing, sing the message. Let me tell you something. All of that is well and good. I love to hear folks hoop too. I love to hear them uh, sing and all that other stuff. Let me tell you something. I realize, though, I'm mature enough to know that the real power of the message is in the word of God. It is nothing I was talking to some folks today, and we were talking about how important it is to have music ministry in your church, how important it is. Lord, have mercy. It is nothing like singing praises to God, but it does not hold a candle to the word of God itself. Jesus went into the synagogue to read. I did pick up the Bible, just pick it up, pick up the, in that day he was picking up the Old Testament and just read. Watch this, Matthew chapter 6. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know what it is. It's the Lord's Prayer. And these are concluding uh, few verses of or, or statements of the Lord's Prayer. And while he's praying this very, very brief but powerful prayer, he says, forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Let me tell you something. Again, it's a hindrance. In relationship, it's a hindrance if you don't learn how to say, forgive me. He says, forgive us. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God. Forgive us our debts. But, Lord, you forgive us our debts as we forgive other folks. Some folks, if you will not release them, God does not, it's not some, it's all. He does not release you. If you've got 15, 20 people in your life that you have had different ups and downs, ins and outs, infractions, uh, um, all kinds of different issues with them, this person and that person and this person, and you've allowed those things to fester, let me tell you something. This is built-up ineffectiveness that you're going to have in the spirit. Let me say it again. If you keep having all of these different issues with folks, that you have not released, it hinders your effectiveness in the spirit. You've got to grow to the place where, thank you, God, where you can recognize I'm not effective. The, listen, the enemy got so many folks blinded into believing the facade of Christianity is not a supernatural encounter with God, a relationship with God through this thing called unforgiveness where they will not forgive, they don't even think about forgiving these folks, and they feel justified because of the wrong that was done and because you won't release that person, I don't care who it is and what they've done, we've got to forgive, release them, just as God has forgiven and released us. What you talking about, Pastor? Are you serious that that's going to hinder me? Listen, listen to what the Word says. The Bible goes on to say, verse number 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I, mean, I know y'all get tired of me saying it, but God always put his butt in something. I love this word, but, because when you see it, you got to understand that that blessing in verse number 14 is going to be null and void. It's not going to come to pass if ye forgive not men their trespasses. Neither will your father, one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. It is a truth. It is an eye-opener. Oprah calls it an aha moment. The light bulb comes on. It is called revelation knowledge. This is the principle. This is one of those things where I say we have gone over it and over it and over it. And at times there are folks that do not get it. They do not get it. They do not get it. You hear it, but you don't receive it. You hear it, but you don't get it. You hear it, but it does not sink in. Release them. Forget, Father, forgive them. 
I forgive them and I release them. I'm not going to hold it over their head. You say, Pastor, well, let's move on. It's just called unforgiveness. No, I've got to minister to somebody that's not releasing folks. He says, I will not release you if you don't release them. If there is no forgiveness, top of page 205, what exists in its place? And that is the question. You've got to get into it. You've got to understand that there's a whole lot of stuff that start happening in your life when you don't release folk. What do you mean release them? I don't have them. You're holding them in your heart. You're thinking about these different issues, the how they did you wrong, what happened to them. So-and-so died because of that, and I'll never forgive them. I'll never forgive them. Some folk literally have said it out of their mouth. I will never forgive them. Lord, I'm sorry for making a commitment or a statement that I cannot keep. Forgive me and release me from my statement. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You said you will not forgive them. And guess what? It, the, the, the perpetuation of the manifestation of what you said was put in action. What was it? Ten years ago. Could have been seven years ago. I don't care if it was five years ago. Could have been 30 days ago. You put that in action. The manifestation of it was going to come to pass. The Bible says you can speak to mountains and mountains will move. You can literally speak and things will come to pass. Why? Because in Genesis it said you was made in his image. And his image is to be able to call those things that be not as though they were. You don't understand the power that you have in your tongue. That death and life is in your tongue. You're killing yourself with your words. And when you make a commitment, I will never forgive him for that. He shouldn't have done it. She died because of it or he died because of it. And you won't release that person. God says, if you don't release them, I won't release you. I hope you hear me this evening. I hope you hear me. Because it is the power of your relationship. You don't have to fake like everything is all right. I hope you hear me. You don't have to fake like God is good. You can truly experience that God is good. You can truly experience the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you do it God's way. It's not enough, the Holy Spirit, this is what he said. The Holy Spirit said, it's not enough just to know the word. But watch what he says. He says, and he says it in the word. I'm, 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 this, this is no new, new revelation. He says, just to be a hearer of the word is not enough. You've got to be a doer. You've got to show the manifestations by doing what you know is right to do. Watch this. I'm reading from the Message Bible. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. Peddling Techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. 
This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. This starting from verse number seven. Our Father who art in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Same way above, let's do it below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Message translation. I don't know if you have one, but it's a good thing to have. I pull it up on the Internet. When you read it, it it just breaks it down in such simple terms where you just go, you know what? Wow, that's powerful. Wow, it gives me a different little understanding. It gives me a different perspective, but it says the same thing. Sometimes it's a little bit more emphatic. Sometimes it takes a little bit off of it, but it gives me a different slant. But, again, you hear it. If I don't do this, it's going to mess me up with God. And when it messes me up with God, that talks about my blessings. It talks about my health. It talks, Anytime you see principles of God that we're supposed to follow, it is a blessing attached to it. We don't know what we're keeping ourselves from when we are hindered by not walking according to the word. Watch this. It goes on. Next scripture. Let me head back up to the top here. Home. BibleGateway.com is what I'm using. Uh, I'm still in Matthew, but I'm going to jump over to 18, and we're going to look at 21 through 35. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And in actuality, I'm really going to I'm going to highlight it just so you can have it for your reading. And it says, Then came Peter. Uh, to him and said, Lord, how often should we forgive? You know you know that part. If somebody sins against us, how often should we forgive? And I'm going to jump all the way down to verse number 35. It says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. What is it talking about? 
There's a story there where it talks about forgiveness and what we're supposed to do. When it comes to someone, when you receive forgiveness from God, you have got to turn around and forgive others. And when you forgive others, just as they forgive you, you've got to forgive them. When you forgive them, they are supposed to forgive you. And this is it. When we do wrong, listen, as believers, there's this this foolishness that goes on um, among believers. And then in like manner, when we're dealing with those that are still walking in darkness, you've got to forgive all of them. They all are your brothers. No, not your brothers in Christ, but it says, and and when we say it in, in the Bible term, it says your neighbor. They all are your neighbor. We're all connected. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether it's your neighbor or whether it's your brother or sister in Christ, they're still connected. So you're you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're all connected. When you don't forgive somebody, they're not a believer, so you hold them in a different area. Let me tell you something. God is still saying, love them. Forgive them. Walk in a way that draws them. Because there's a connection. Hallelujah. I'm trying to multitask here. I'm trying to keep up with the fam. All right. Watch this. Watch this. So it says, in each one, we are supposed to be issuing the same love of forgiveness that we receive to someone else. And it's well worth, let me tell you something, not just a half an hour, it's well worth an hour of talking just about forgiveness. Does forgiveness, watch this, does forgiveness mean to forget the offense? Write it down, it's just a question. Does forgiveness mean forget the offense? Does forgiveness mean letting go of the pain of the offense? Question number one, does forgiveness mean to forget the offense? Can I forget what you've done to me? Can I let go of the pain? Let me tell you something. You have no idea how powerful when you focus in on God's word, that's why I love the scripture. My grandmother loved it. It was Psalms 91, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, saying of the Lord, he is your refuge, your fortress, your God, and him will you trust. Surely he's going to deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Let me tell you something. When you don't forget the offense, when you don't let it go, when you don't dwell, when you start to dwell in the presence of God, you'll see that God will take his holy, hallelujah, the Holy Ghost eraser, and you will be able to deal with folks who have done you wrong, but your focus is so much on not the wind, Peter, not the waves, Peter, but on Jesus, that you can keep walking to Jesus and not sink. You can see miracles in your life. You can see your love come to full manifestation when you focus in 
that this is not about me. And it's not about you doing me wrong and how you hurt me and what you did to me. It's not about that. It's really about God. It's really about Jesus. It's really about those who are still in darkness coming into this light. It's not about how I hurt. It's not about what you stole from me. Some folk can't because what you did. You stole from me. And when you stole from me, I'll never forget it. I'll never trust you again. And matter of fact, because of what you did, it messed me up with a whole lot of other people. Because now when other folks are around, when they're around, I don't trust them. I don't trust them being around because of what you did. You've got to learn to release it. You've got to learn to focus. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going back to the word. That was verse number 35. Your heavenly father, we did that? No, we're over here. It says two questions. One, you, you will learn that whether you want to forget it or not, God will let you forget it. It doesn't mean that you just forget it. You can't push a button and just forget the offense. However, when you focus in on God, you'll find out that you'll be dealing with the same person and you'll almost put yourself in the same position again. Why? Because you don't deal from the perspective of their wrong. Hallelujah. You're not dealing with them because I don't trust you, I can't trust you, I can't trust you. You will give them the opportunity. You say, man, you're talking foolish. Let me tell you something. I've been there and done that. I have forgotten about the offense, dealing with the same person, put myself in the same position. I trust God enough that he's got me, and I release them to the level that, guess what? The pain is gone. It hurt me initially. It hurt me for a while after. But once I got the principle and I got focused and I dwell in that secret place, you'll find out that not only do you forget about it, but you don't feel the pain. Can you let it go? Can I just go, okay, I'll release it, and I'm no longer hurt by it. No, it didn't happen that way. You got to dwell in the secret place. What is true forgiveness? Watch this. This is what the definition said. When I looked it up, the definition, just, just one, one dictionary. One dictionary. I'm not saying that this is the, the definition for all dictionaries, but one dictionary. This is what it said. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards. When you forgive, you stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake, whatever. The offense, the flaw, or the mistake, you just stop feeling angry. That's when you forgive. That's what they say. The second, the second definition on, in this particular um, online, I looked it up online, it says cancel a debt. And I love the second definition because when it comes to the angry part where I just stop feeling angry, I forgive you. So I just stop feeling angry? No, I may still be angry. I'm not taking it out on you. I'm not, I'm not causing and in and, and, and our particular Section here is talking about in a marriage. 
And I know we've got some unmarried folks on the line, and that's why I've been keeping it in general. However, I've got to hone in for some of the married folks that's on the line that when you don't release, let me tell you something. I know some folks, they've got stuff that's pent up from years and years, and they know those old, listen, old rusty chains. It's been five years this offense happened, five years ago. And they will not release it. And in your marriage, let me tell you something. You will never experience the marital bliss that God has intended for married couples with unforgiveness between you and your wife. Between you and your husband. Let me tell you something. It's very, very good for unmarried folks to be on this call to hear how it is for married couples and the, the 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 principles, the guidelines, the truths that we're supposed to walk by as married. So when you do get married, if you ever get married, when you do get married, if you ever get married, if that's your if that's what God has for you, when you when that happens, let me tell you something. You have not only uh, studied it. But you practice it in relationships with other people, and now it's easier for you to practice it with somebody you say, I'm giving my life to for the rest of my life. The two questions. I hope you wrote them down. To forget, does forgiveness mean to forget the offense? Does forgiveness mean to let go of the pain? Of the offense. Forgiveness, watch this, is used, this is another definition, used in a polite expression as a request to excuse. So I stick with cancel that debt. Whatever you owe me for whatever you did, if you don't have the money to pay me back, guess what? I'm releasing it. I'm not holding it over your head. I hope you read that story, Matthew 18, 21. 2135, have a Selah moment. If you fail to forgive another, what is the consequence in your life? And we've already gone over it. Let me tell you something. You do not want to have, uh, you don't want to be in opposition with God. How will this affect your children? Watch this. How does it affect other folks around you? How does it affect God. Verse number 35. I hope you read it. I hope you meditate on it. I hope revelation knowledge takes place and it really, really sinks in. If you claim to be a Christian, yet fail to forgive your spouse and others, what message does that send? Follow me. What message does that send to your children? What does, message does that send to your family? Let's go deeper. What message does that send to those who we're supposed to witness to by our lifestyle, the unbelievers? What message does it send when we refuse to forgive? When we, when we literally Declare it out of our mouths. I will not forgive her. 
And they know. Let me tell you something. Unbelievers know a lot of times they know the word. What we really got to start dealing with is the expressing of unconditional love towards one another. That's where that forgiveness is going to. Let me tell you, when you start to understand the agape kind of love that God has, and you start to mimic and pattern yourself, thank you, Holy Ghost, after what God has set forth as an example for us to to be, for us to walk in, that unforgiveness is going to become easier. Unforgiving each other or forgiving each other is just as each would want to be forgiven. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Just as you want to be forgiven, you are supposed to forgive. We're supposed to be laying down our own rights for the sake of our friend, for the sake of our partner, for the sake of sometimes unbelievers, because we're releasing them. When they see it, let me tell you, that is the power. Many times the Bible will show you that when folks see what they call miracles, it's got to be a miracle that you forgive me. That's what makes them, it makes them drawn to Christianity. (laughs) Watch this. Let me stomp stomp on a toe. Just one toe, not the whole foot. How many folks have come to desire to want to know the Lord because of your witness. No, 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 not from you going through the Romans' road, not from you talking about the four spiritual laws, from seeing your life. How many people came to wanting to know the Lord from your lifestyle? I pray to God that my light is so shining that somebody sees what I'm doing and how God is blessing me and what's happening in my life, that it draws them to a closer relationship with him. Watch this. It says these actions bring healing and strength to stressed marriages and family. When we show unconditional love, when we forgive, it gives strength to a stressed marriage and our families. Flip over to the top of page 206. It is only through God's grace and steadfast, mature commitment. Through God's grace and steadfast, mature commitment. Let me tell you something. One of the most powerful words uh, right here is mature. You got some folks that they're committed, but it's not a mature commitment. You've got some folks that they're mature, but they're not steadfast. So sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're not. This is a committed, and in particularly for couples, that's how you're able to maintain your love, your security, your stability in your marriage. It's through God's grace. It's through God's grace. You got to know that you need help when it comes to grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Being able to give to some somebody, give something to somebody that they did not earn. You ain't earn it. You ain't earn it. You ain't getting it. Thank God that's not how God treats us. 
A lot of stuff we didn't earn, but it's because of his amazing grace. I say it all the time. Sometimes we shouldn't just sing those songs. Amazing grace. We sing it. We know the words. We know the melody. The folks know the pitch. Exactly where, what, 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 what note is that? Is it B flat? Is it E, D, whatever it is? They know all that. The t- everything, how it's supposed, but do you know about grace? Unmerited favor of God. You wake up in the morning, tears in your eyes. You say, I'm crying, and, and I don't have no reason to cry. I'm crying because my heart is so filled with what God has done in my life. My God, he blessed me again. Sometimes, listen, when you just wake up in the morning, there's a smile on your face. You got joy, and ain't nobody tickling you. I'm talking you're just happy. And nothing special happened today. But the special thing that happened to me was I opened my eyes. It's a demonstration. See, it's not just knowing. It's a demonstration of the principles of God's word and the reality of faith presented in our families. you got different areas. They talk about sex, money, prayer, Bible study, and devotions. Each one of these areas, let me tell you something. It is an expression of God's love. It's each one of these areas where, again, there is a commitment and there is a sacrifice that has to be given in all of these areas on page page 206. Each one of these areas, whether you're in school, when it pertains to your grades, whether it's that you're at work, socializing, dating, no matter what it is, it's always an expression of your sacrifice to what God has asked us to do. It's called a demonstration of principles. When I see it in God's word, that's why I got to do it. I'm not doing it because it feels good. I'm not doing it because I want to. I'm doing it because God asked me to do it. Holy Ghost just struck it back into my mind. I didn't write it down. Holy Ghost said, it's worthy of you mentioning, son, that back in the day there were slaves who were released from their slave master, and they refused to leave. The term is bond slave. These folks said, you know what? I'm not going nowhere. Master's been good to me. Now, the rest of the folks say they're free and they want to leave. Master, I want to stay right here. No, 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 I don't want to leave. I'm a bond slave. Yes, I've been released, but I ain't going nowhere. That's how we are to God. We say, God, you a good master. I don't know if you've grown. I don't know if your maturity in Christ has taken you to that place. God is, listen, he's my Lord and my Savior. When he say he's my Lord, that's my master. I wake up in the morning, and it's nothing that I can do without first consulting him. When I wake up in the morning and I can't spend my good quality time, I can spend a little five-minute devotional sometime and Bam, I'm going off into my day. But it's nothing like the time where I can get up early in the morning and spend as much time as I can with him. Why? Because I realize my day goes so much better. I don't care what I got to encounter. It goes so much better when I spend time with God. I'm trying to relate it to you that I'm telling you that when you put your hand in the master's hand, 
it makes things go so much better. Watch this. This is where we said we're going to start at. <laughs> we said we're going to start at 1021. 1021, we were going to start right here at the review and the conclusion. These are spiritual necessities, not only in marriages, but it's important in marriages. It's, it really outlines more so in marriages, but you're going to find out again, these principles are for every day. Pray together. Every day. Pray together. That's I, I call them, I, I divided it. Not pray together every day. Pray together, one, every day. This is still under one, but I divided that up because some folk pray together, and as a couple, they pray together, but it was once in September, two times in October, four times, whoa, they did good, four times in November. Pray together every day for God's blessing. That's in everything, but then make sure that you pray over your marriage, number two. That's number one. Pray together every day for God's blessings over your marriage. Number two, work and pray towards the practice of biblical principles regarding your money. Pray over your money matters. If you want to brief it, make it brief. Uh, pray over money matters. Money in the in the marriage. Number three, keep the line of honest, loving communication wide open at all times. Never get to a place where you're doing this little shutdown thing. Never be as immature and ineffective and defeated in your marriage and in your relationship with one another uh, as people where you can't be open and honest and loving with your communication. Number four, recognize the high spiritual values of sexual fulfillment. Never degrade sexual fulfillment by running after this, uh, uh, what they call it, one-night stand kind of thing, sleeping outside of marriage. Don't do it. You'll find out that even folks who partake of it, after a while, when, you, when they mature, they'll say, I wish I never did it. Oh, yeah, it feels good in the moment, but afterwards it's like gravel in your mouth. Yes, you thought you was eating jello. It was soft and smooth and silky, and you thought it was jello, but then afterwards it was like you had a mouthful of rocks. Keep the sex in the marriage. That's the way it was ordained by God. These three, I'm going to group them together. I'm going to run through them real quick. Watch this. It says, together stand on your spiritual authority in Christ against barriers, walls, and relationships being established by the power of darkness. Together, you got to stand against darkness. Together, stand against darkness. Number six, verbalize. You got to say it out your mouth, your love and appreciation. For your spouse daily. For your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love you, bruh. Love you. Verbalize it. Speak it. Sometimes you'll see that the actions will follow after the words. Number seven, engage in non-sexual touching with your spouse several times daily. Number eight, never hesitate to ask for forgiveness. And number nine, Never hesitate to give forgiveness. 
don't hesitate to ask for it. Number eight, don't hesitate to ask for it. Number eight, number nine, never hesitate to give forgiveness freely. Whenever somebody asks you, release them. Let your emotions and your feelings and stuff catch up. Release them. Then keep dwelling in the secret place. God will use that Holy Ghost eraser and wash it away. Number 10, schedule regular time for doing something you know is for your spouse's enjoyment. Whether you enjoy it or not, it's not for you. It's for your spouse. And I say that in relationships. Do it for somebody else. This is I'm doing this for you, bruh. I'm doing this for you, sis. This is the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. Listen, it's a me for me. What have you done? We're we listening to the, the ministry of Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? And listen, we joke with it, but it's for real. Putting these 10 spiritual necessities in the practice will communicate to your spouse that you truly love them, that you're co completely devoted, seriously committed. That's what messed your relationship up. You wasn't married, but you were heading towards marriage, and because you wouldn't make commitments, you wasn't a, it wasn't a serious commitment. You weren't completely devoted. Your love was not true. Listen, I'm not talking about uh, 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 just this uh, touchy-feely love. I'm talking a true, agape kind of committed love, a sacrificial love. There must be some boundary lines that the enemy knows he can't cross over. That I'm protected by the blood of the Lamb. I got Jesus in my life. I'm no longer the same. It says I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, see, some folks say it, but they don't have it. Behold, all things, my, my, I, no, my hands look the same as they always did. But they said that symbolically as I do things differently now. My hands don't touch the same things they used to touch. They weren't no, it wasn't no good for me. My mind looked at my head. My head looked new. My feet looked new. Because where I go, I don't, the, the place I used to go, I don't, I don't go there no more. I'm traveling in new new areas now. I thank God for my conversion. Maybe that's why, listen, maybe that's why we don't witness. Maybe that's why we're not excited about, guess what? I got to share my faith. Thank God for uh, brother, sister, brother and sister uh, Johnson, Spencer and Norma Johnson, going out into the community and we get an opportunity to talk to folk that's not coming into the church. Why? Because we can affect change in their life. Why? Because we've got a testimony that something has happened to me, and if it happened to me and it's working for me, I want to share it with you so it can happen to you. But maybe what's happened to us is not that great, so we ain't excited about telling nobody else. Lady Julia and I took a little vacation and a little celebration, more so of a celebration of the 20 years of marriage. And um, while we were traveling, we went past a Walmart and uh, went to the eyeglass stand to see if they had some more of my reading glasses. And I got a pretty good price at, at, at CVS, $22. 
and they're pretty sturdy. I went to Walmart, and I found another pair, sturdier than the $22 ones I, I purchased, uh, a fancier frame, and they were only $5 and I think it was $5.89 or $5.98. I only paid $6 for them. I got two pair for $12, and they're way better. When I look through them, the, the quality of the glass is better than the $22 ones. They're holding up really good. The reason I'm sharing it with you because I found a good deal. And if you need reading glasses, I need a 1.50. But Walmart had these glasses. It's a good deal. So I want to share it with you. I don't want you to go and spend at CVS that has some for 35 some for 45 all on the same rack. I went for the little cheap ones. They had a nice little look to them, $22, but I've got them for $6 now. I've got to share it with you because it's a good deal. I hope you see where I'm going, that this walk with Christ is a good deal. It is the best thing that ever happened to me. It is the best thing that ever happened to you, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. It is the very best thing that ever happened to you. The full manifestation of what God is doing in your life. Maybe you have not revealed it yet. Maybe it has not been revealed to you. Maybe you have not seen it. But let me tell you something. When it is revealed, you can't hold your peace. And particularly to those who close to you you got to tell them go to walmart they got reading glasses good quality you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for it jesus paid it all he truly did on calvary he truly paid it all the rest of my life is written out with that one act when he completed it on the cross at Calvary. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We bless your name for being such an awesome God to us. We thank you for the sacrificial love that you made on the cross. We thank you, dear Lord, for giving us this awesome, awesome forgiveness of our sins. Sins past, present, and future. God, help us that we might be a forgiving people and that the blessings of God might be released in our lives as we receive this awesome, awesome principle into our lives, releasing everyone that's ever done us wrong. Bring it back to our remembrance. If there's someone we need to make it right with, that the power of God might be released in our life. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints of God. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. We will talk to you again next week. And I pray that you activate forgiveness in your life. Amen? Amen.